Good morning, Crossing. Front row. Brave souls. You know I have a tendency to call people out when I'm teaching. Oh, that's all right. Well, good morning, Crossing. I'm Barry Holbrook. I am the Family Life Pastor. If you don't know me, and if you do know me, my name has not changed. So, that was a joke. Sorry, it's going to start out that way, huh? That was almost as bad as Eric's dad joke. You know, so, well, this morning is part two of our special new series called You Asked, and thank you for participating in our survey and asking some fantastic questions. You know, many of the questions that we received were about the Bible, and I'm hoping that I'll bring some clarity to the questions that were asked. So, if you're online, you can make some comments uh, in the comment section on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're at COZAD and you end up having some more questions and just see me, I'll be glad to do that. But this morning, uh, undoubtedly, I will probably not be able to answer every question that was asked. But next week, we're going to have a panel up here. The three of us are going to try to answer the questions we did not answer in our larger messages. So there will be some Bible questions in there as well. Uh, but I'll do my best to answer the majority of the questions that were asked and bring to light some amazing things about God's Word. So if you're here this morning, uh, whether you're in person or online, and you're not a Jesus follower, and you're just here checking things out, or you were invited by a friend or a family member, this message this morning will still be very informative for you. And I challenge you to listen to the facts as they're presented and do some investigation into the Bible. I believe that you will be very surprised. Now, you're going to feel like you're in history class in the beginning. Now, don't zone out. Some of you hated history in school, and you may still hate history, but don't zone out on me. You know, if you fall asleep, I'll just come down there and shake you awake. One time, we were at a summer camp, and uh, there was a guy asleep. <laughs> I would never do this. Asleep on the front row, no, this was at church, wasn't it? This was at Mitchell Berean. This was on a Sunday morning, and the guy named Marcus had fallen asleep in the front row. And so the pastor said, and this was before the sermon ever started, he, Marcus, can you open us up in prayer? And Marcus jumped up. I don't know if he ever came back to church or not, but I'm not going to do that to you. But um, a lot of confusion exists today about the Bible. According to a recent Barna survey, 42% of Americans say that they believe that the Bible is the literal Word of God. Yet almost half of Americans believe that the Bible is too hard to understand. So on any given day, very few people actually read the book that they claim to embrace as God's literal Word because they think it's too hard to understand. The Bible is different than any other book ever published, in that Jesus' followers believe that it was inspired by God and that it shows us how to know Him, how to live a righteous life, and how to be saved and enjoy eternal life. The Bible not only inspires us, it explains life to us. It explains God to us. Now, it doesn't answer all the questions that we have, but it answers enough of them. It shows us how to live with purpose and compassion, how to relate to others. It encourages us to rely on God for strength and direction and to enjoy His love for us. Now, of course, there are many people who do not hold to this view. They think the Bible is flawed and unreliable and obviously not written or inspired by God. 
And many hold the view that the Bible is in the same class as the Greek or Roman mythologies or maybe even the writings of Confucius. To them, the Bible is just another religious book among many religious books. So, Because how can a book that was written thousands and thousands of years ago possibly be relevant today? The truth is, to reject the Bible is to close your eyes and plug your ears to an overwhelming amount of evidence in its favor. And more importantly, it's to ignore the reality of mankind's own spiritual need and the salvation offered in the message of the Bible. So we're going to start very simply this morning right here. What is the Bible? First, I want to clarify what I mean by the word Bible. There are lots of books out there with the word Bible in the title that have nothing to do with anything we're going to talk about this morning. There's the Beauty Bible, the Freshwater Fisherman's Bible, the Golfer's Bible, the Cooking Bible. You may be surprised, but the word Bible is never in the Bible. Did you know that? But the word Bible literally means a book or collection of books regarded as authoritative on a certain topic. No other book is more authoritative on the topic of the Christian faith than the Christian Bible. The Christian... Okay, I'll just keep talking until something... There we go. The Christian... That was scary. It's always... Isn't it scary when that happens? You know, so I'm like... The Christian Bible is a collection of 66 different books divided into two sections, the Old and the New Testament, written by over 40 different authors over a span of 1,500 years in three different languages, yet it presents a unified message of God's plan and purpose for humanity. 39 books make up the Old Testament, which was written between 1500 B.C. and 400 B.C., starting with the book of Genesis and ending with the book of Malachi. The Old Testament is used by those of the Jewish faith to this day. The 27 books that make up the New Testament were written over a 50-year span, and they deal with the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the beginning of the Christian church and instructions about how to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, the Old Testament is written primarily in Hebrew with a little bit of Aramaic, and the New Testament is written in Greek and Aramaic, yet these diverse authors, each in their own way, present a unified portrait of God's plan and purposes in our world. As to the different kinds of literature contained in the Bible, there's history and poetry and humor and prophecy and romance, letters, biographies, songs, journals, laws, and stories. So the Bible is an entire library of entire different kinds of literature. The Bible was the first Bible ever printed on a printing press. It's the best-selling book of all time, and portions have been translated into 2,846 different languages. I didn't even know there were that many different languages. The earliest manuscripts of the Old Testament books go back to 200 B.C. and New Testament manuscripts back to 100 A.D. Now, some people think that the Bible has been translated so many times that it's become corrupted through all the stages of translation. 
And that would probably be true if the translations were being made from other translations. But the translations are actually going back to the original manuscripts, the original Greek, the original Hebrew. Those are the source texts that are being used to translate the Bible. Listen to these interesting facts. Now, I'm going to put these facts up here. You may want to screenshot some of these things because undoubtedly sometime in your life, especially if you're young, middle school, high school, college, somebody's going to refute the Bible. Somebody's going to say the Bible's not true. They're going to say crazy things about the history of the Bible. And if you have a little bit of ammunition in your pocket, it may help. So screenshot these next few things. And then research them for yourself. If I had put everything into this message that I researched, this would be a four-hour message. Aren't you glad? All right, here we go. Few people doubt that Plato wrote the Republic. It's a classic. He wrote it around 380 B.C. The earliest copies we have, though, are dated 900 A.D., which is a 1,300-year time gap from when he wrote it. And there are only seven copies in existence. And yet we do not ever doubt that Plato wrote the Republic. Caesar wrote the Gaelic Wars somewhere between 144 BC. And the copies that we have today are dated 1,000 years after he wrote it. And there are only 10 copies. And yet we don't doubt that Caesar wrote the Gaelic Wars. When it comes to the New Testament, written between 50 and 100 AD, there are more than 5,000 copies. All are written within 50 to 225 years of their original writing. There's no huge time gap. Further, when it comes to Scripture, the scribes were very meticulous in copying the the original manuscripts. They checked and rechecked and rechecked their work to make it perfectly match. What the New Testament writers originally wrote is preserved better than any existing ancient manuscript. And we can be certain of what we read about the life of Jesus more than we can be certain of the writings of Caesar and Plato. The accuracy of the Old Testament was confirmed in 1947 with the discovery of something known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. You've heard of that, right? The Dead Sea Scrolls contained Old Testament scripture that was 1,000 years older than any previously possessed manuscript. When comparing the manuscripts they had at hand with the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found agreement 99.5% of the time. And the 0.5% difference was minor spelling variances and some sentence structure that did not change the meaning of the text. You know the historians, now this is Jesus-following historians and unbelieving historians rank the New Testament, as the number one document with manuscript evidence. The Iliad by Homer 
ranks number two. Why is that important? Look at this next slide. The Iliad has 643 supporting manuscripts. The Bible, the New Testament, has 24,000 surviving manuscripts to support itself. No other ancient text comes even close to the supporting manuscripts of our New Testament. So when I say Bible, this is what I'm talking about. These 66 books that have been foundation for the Christian faith since its very beginnings. So this morning, we're going to take a look at four key concepts about the Bible. Those of you that don't like history, history class is over. We're getting into the practical now. So take a deep breath and go out loud, finally, finally. All right. Let's look at 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, the word Scripture literally means sacred writings. Other religions have their own sacred writings. For instance, Islam has the Koran. Mormonism has the Book of Mormon, and Hinduism has the Bhagavad Gita. You impressed? I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. I could have made it up, uh, unless there's a Hindu person here that wants to help me with that. But the Bible is the Christian faith sacred writings, also known as Scripture. And these sacred writings, look, are God-breathed. When Paul is saying here is that the fundamental characteristic of Scripture, what makes these writings, sacred writings, is the fact that God breathed them out, that they have their ultimate origin with God himself. Now, this fundamental characteristic of being God-breathed makes the Bible useful, and useful means practical, beneficial. I think the word relevant captures the meaning here. That's because of the Bible's source. It has vital, practical relevance for our lives. Now, in that verse, we see four areas, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Teaching simply means that the Bible gives us instructions on how to best live life. This instruction or teaching isn't just about heavenly things, but it's about practical things like how to be a good spouse, how to be a good parent, managing your money, starting a business, and so forth. So the Bible is useful for teaching. Would you agree? Yeah. And then we come to rebuking. We don't like the word rebuke. It sounds harsh and mean, but it just simply means, in this case, confronting our wrong ideas about life. And this assumes that all of us carry around some misconceptions and some distortions about God, about ourselves, and about life that need to be changed. For instance, if I measure success in life by how much money I have, but the Bible measures success by a person's faithfulness to God, then my criteria for success needs to be rebuked or changed, and I need to change my definition to conform to God's definition. Are you tracking with me? So the Bible is useful for teaching. It is useful for rebuking. 
and it's useful for correction, which is similar to rebuking, but it focuses on the behavior instead of beliefs. Because all of us lose our way in life sometimes. We can wander off the course that God has for us, and we end up running around in circles or in a ditch somewhere, right? The Bible corrects us and gets us back on track. So how does it do this? When it shows us where we are and how to get back on course with where God wants us to be. Has it ever happened in your life? It certainly happened in mine. And then we see training in righteousness, which is focusing on the Bible's role in helping us live the kind of life that pleases and honors God. Because a life of integrity does not come naturally to us. We need help to live the kind of life of integrity we want to live. And all of this results in us being thoroughly equipped for a spiritually vital life with God. The Bible provides us with the equipment and the instruction we need. The Bible provides us with this complete spiritual toolbox to live a full and rich spiritual life of devotion to Jesus Christ. So I told you we would be looking at four key concepts. Here's the first one. Since, since, let me go back a few, sorry. There we go. Since God gave us the Bible, its teachings are relevant for our lives. Since God gave us the Bible, its teachings are relevant for our lives. Pastors and teachers have sometimes been guilty of taking the Bible and making it boring to people. And I think it's a sin to bore people with the Bible. You see, we don't have to make the Bible relevant. It's already relevant We just need to get out of the way and allow it to speak into our lives. In our culture, many people are skeptical and they protest, well, everyone's got their own interpretation of the Bible. Well, that's true if we treat the Bible as an encyclopedia of disconnected thoughts and ideas. It's easy to take one or two verses and make them say anything you want them to say. The classic example of this is the guy who who wanted to know God's will for his life, so he opened the Bible randomly and he read a verse that said, Judas went and hanged himself. So he closed the Bible and he repeated the same procedure, and this time he found a verse that said, go and do likewise. So if that's the way we approach the Bible, then everyone can have their own interpretation of what it says. But listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture. Now, we're not talking about the foretelling of the future with that word prophecy. In the Greek, that means foretelling, the foretelling of truth not the foretelling of the future. So you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This verse is warning us not to read our own ideas into the Bible or to force our own interpretations of it. Why? Because the ultimate origin of the Bible is God. God initiated the process of giving us the Bible, not the human authors. And although the human authors did write the words, they spoke as they were inspired by God. The word carried along there is a sailing term 
that was used in the Greek to describe the wind blowing into a sail which carried along the sailboat. The human authors were consciously involved in the writing process. They weren't robots. They weren't in a trance. We could even detect their own unique writing style. But behind the process, God was carrying them along to ensure that the end result would be what he wanted them to say. Since God has spoken through the Bible, it's important for us to listen to its message. That just makes sense, doesn't it? Since God, the creator of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the stars and the beauty that we see every day, since he's spoken to us through the Bible, it's important for us to listen to its message. For 2,000 plus years, the Christian faith has affirmed that God has spoken through the Bible. And our role as readers and listeners is to see and to hear the message of the Bible, not to read into it what we think it ought to say, or to use isolated parts of the Bible to justify our own ideas. For example, before the Civil War, people who believed that slavery was okay, tried to justify slavery by quoting the Bible. They used the Bible selectively, trying to rationalize their sin and their involvement in slavery, and they refused to let the Bible to speak for itself. And whenever we try to read our own ideas into the Bible, we put ourselves in the danger of missing God's voice and hearing our own voice instead. Jesus said in John 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Truth is that whatever corresponds to the facts, something that matches the way things really are. So a truthful statement is a statement that corresponds to reality. A key characteristic of the Bible is its truthfulness. Since the Bible is God-breathed, and God is the origin of the Bible, and since God is truthful, then the Bible must be truthful. By saying that the Bible is truthful, we're saying that it teaches us the way things really are, and it accurately describes reality. Since God has revealed his truth to us in the Bible, it is our final standard for what's true. Not every church in America believes that the Bible is 100% true. They believe that they can interpret certain scripture in modern terminology. And what we end up with are people under the teaching of pastors who believe that or are being taught half-truths and taking those out into society and spreading half-truths. You know how to define a half-truth, don't you? A half-truth is a whole lie. Others believe the Bible has truth in it, but it also has mistakes in it. So it's up to us to sift through the truth from the mistakes, which makes us the ultimate authority instead of the Bible. I don't want to be the ultimate authority of what's true. Do you? Now, there are a lot of things that are true that the Bible does not tell us about. <gasps> Have you ever read anywhere in the Bible how to change a flat tire? 
or how to cure the measles or, or how to build a home or how to master calculus. No. Those things are true, and we know they're true through experience and reasoning and science and so forth. So there are other sources of truth in the world. The Bible's focus is telling us the truth about our relationship with God and to understand his purposes. Excuse me. <clears throat> now, the Bible touches on areas of science, and it touches on areas of history, and when it does speak to those issues, it does so truthfully, but its purpose is to reveal truth about knowing God and God's ways. Now, this makes the Bible the ultimate standard for what's true, just like a ruler is the ultimate standard for what an inch is. The Bible is the ultimate standard for truth, whether you like it or not. Have you read that bumper sticker that says, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it? Right? That's not true. God said it, and that settles it, whether I believe it or not. Although the Bible reveals God's truth to us, its primary purpose, the Bible's primary purpose is not education. Listen to this quote by Donald Whitney. No spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's word. Nothing can substitute for it. There is simply no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of the milk and meat of God's word. Did you hear that? There is no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of the milk and meat of God's word. So if you are trying to live a successful, vibrant Christian life and you never, ever read God's word, it cannot be done. It's time to take our Bibles off the shelf. It's time to blow the dust off of them. And it's time, I love teaching God's Word. John does, Eric does. We love it. But we want you to feed yourselves. We want you to open God's Word and read it for yourself. And let it do something in your heart and in your mind and in your life that radically changes who you are as a person. Let's look at Hebrews 4.12. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Even though our Bibles are printed with ink on paper, the author of Hebrews says that God's Word is living and active, and this means that there's a dynamic energy at work whenever a person reads the Bible, that somehow the living God is actively working in and through the words of the Bible to impact our lives. This makes the Bible different from any book. The Bible is described as a sharp, double-edged sword which focus, focuses on its ability to penetrate into our lives. The Bible doesn't have a blunt edge, but every part of it is sharp enough to pierce into our lives with its message. Soul and spirit, joints and marrow focuses on the Bible's ability to penetrate our defenses to the very core of our personality where our true self lies. And there at the core of our personality, the Bible evaluates and discerns our inner thoughts and motives, sifting through our intentions and ideas, and it helps us to be better and to live better and to do better and to love better. And since God works in our lives through the Bible, it's essential 
for our spiritual transformation. Just like a caterpillar is transformed into a butterfly, do you know that when a caterpillar goes into the chrysalis, it doesn't change into a butterfly. It actually dissolves and turns into this liquidy goo. And that liquidy goo becomes a butterfly. That blows my mind. But it But think about it, when God changes us, when we become a new creation, that means that we are literally not the same person we used to be. We have become a new creation in Christ. That blows my mind. If you could see who I was prior to 1989, oh my goodness. And most of you could say the same thing. God works through the Bible to transform us into fully devoted followers of Jesus who wholeheartedly love God and others. Listen, the Christian faith is not merely a set of ideas. Being a Jesus follower is not just about spouting off doctrine or reciting creeds. Being a Jesus follower is first and foremost about a personal love relationship with God through faith in Christ. This love relationship is a life-transforming one. Because a person cannot encounter Christ and not be radically changed. Being a Jesus follower isn't merely accepting certain facts about God or the Bible. It's about becoming a devoted disciple of Jesus in our lives as we seek to live lives passionate to Christ. You know, I've met a lot of people who have right ideas about God. And those of you online, I know you have too. And those of you in COZED, I know you have certainly met people who have the right ideas about God, who intellectually accept Jesus as being God's son, who believe the Bible is God's word, who have never, ever entered into a personal relationship with Jesus through faith. And all of those doctrines will do them absolutely no good because the Christian faith is about transformation, not information. Once we enter into a relationship with God through Christ, the truth contained in the Bible is God's primary way of changing us. Now, God isn't limited to the Bible being the only agent of change because he also changes us in worship and through suffering and through prayer and etc., right? But the Bible is essential and central to our transformation into the image of Christ. It's the primary means that God uses to penetrate past our defenses, to invade our hearts with truth so he can sort out our thoughts and sort out our intentions and sort out our motives. So this morning we've defined what the Bible is and that Jesus' followers believe that God gave us the Bible And that God has spoken through the Bible. That God has revealed his truth to us through the Bible. And that God works in our lives through the Bible. For most of us, I suspect, the real struggle comes in actually living as if we believe this is true. By actually seeking the relevance of the Bible for the problems that we're facing today and tomorrow and next week. By actually listening to the Bible's message. By actually holding up the standard of truth in, in the Bible, and finally by actually following and allowing God to transform us through our interaction with his word. I want to finish today with a quote by Max Licato. The Bible has been banned and burned and scoffed and ridiculed. 
Scholars have mocked it as foolish. Kings have branded it as illegal. A thousand times over, the grave has been dug and the funeral dirge has begun. But somehow the Bible never stays in the grave. Not only has it survived, it has thrived. It's the single most popular book in all of history. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have contained your word between the bindings of a book that we call the Bible. Thank you that those 66 books are there for us to be taught and rebuked and corrected and trained in righteousness. Father, help us to be a people of the book, people that read it, apply it, and live by it. Today, Father, may someone be in the room that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. May your word transform their life. Today, Father, we honor you by saying that all of this was for you. In Jesus' name, amen.